This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson here from Studio B on the campus of the Saints in the Pelicans on Airline Drive. Hope this Tuesday finds you well, filling in for Sean Kelly as usual on a Tuesday. And it's uh, it's rare having these few days off between Pelicans games. The last game was on Saturday against the Timberwolves. And the Pelicans won't play again until tomorrow against the Houston Rockets on the road. A big, big game. You know, as much as the loss was pretty tough for everyone on Saturday, with some help from the Jazz and some help from Houston, the Pelicans are still in it. Five games back here with 24 games to go. The Jazz have lost two straight to Brooklyn and Boston, and the Rockets lost to the Spurs and the Bucks. So tomorrow's game against the Rockets is huge as far as playoff implications, whether the Pelicans will be in that conversation come late March, early April, or whether after tomorrow their playoff hopes slip away a little bit. We'll talk about that and plenty more with Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com, as I always do on a Tuesday. We'll talk about those playoff implications. We'll talk about the tough loss on Saturday and talk about this Pelicans team with 24 games left and look ahead to March a little bit. 17 games in March. It's going to be busy, busy, busy. That's why it's nice to enjoy a couple days with no games because starting tomorrow, only a day in between games and lots of back-to-back. So plenty of plenty more Pelicans basketball for you guys in the month of March. Also, I know the Saints offseason is here, but there's still going to be some football being played at the Saints training facility starting today, and it ends March 6th. It's the Women's World Tackle Football Games hosted by USA Football. The Saints are the first NFL facility to host this event, and we'll talk with Samantha Rappaport from USA Football. She's the director of football development for the organization. She'll talk about this event over 17 countries will gather. 220 women representing those 17 countries will gather at the Saints facility this week. So we'll talk to her about the event and how you all can follow the event at home and through social media. So we got a good show for you today. We still talk some football. We'll talk some basketball with Jim, and then we'll wrap things up here from Studio B. All right, let's get the conversation going. When we come back, we'll talk with Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Ever been surprised by a bill? A big bill that's higher than expected? Entergy's online tools let you take control. Try level billing so there are no surprises. Pick a due date that works for you. And sign up for alerts to remind you when your bill is due. Make your bills fit your budget. Don't wait another month. Take action today at EntergyIdeas.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. You owe it to yourself and your home to call Terminix. I'm Vincent Palumbo. Whether you need a lifetime termite damage guarantee or hassle-free pest control service, we do it all. And I'm Ed Martin, Terminix entomologist. We have developed a convenient pest control system where we're scheduled in your home only twice a year. We attack bugs outside where they live. Call 834-7330 for guaranteed control of any pests or termites. Terminix does it all. 
How much do you want to lose this year? 5, 10, 15 pounds? It's time to set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with one of 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce serving, and see how much you can lose. With flavors like pineapple mango, almond mocha, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goals. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Weight loss is based on a low-calorie diet and exercise program. Consult your physician before beginning any diet program. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. All right, as promised, we'll talk Pelicans basketball here on the Black and Blue Report. It is Tuesday, which means Jim Eikenhofer joins me in studio from Pelicans.com. TGIT and Jim, first of all, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, Jim. I'm a little deterred, though. Um, a little PO'd. Uh-oh. So I was watching the Oscars on Sunday night, mm-hmm. and ABC had a commercial for another show. And now they have a TGIT, but it's for Thursday. Thank mm. goodness it's Thursday. But I was like, where did they get TGIT? Mm. I think they were this listening to the suspicious. podcast. Yes. Any royalties for us in the making? I, I think? haven't seen it. I haven't seen a dime from them. I haven't seen anything either. <laughs> and I'm a little troubled because how dare they steal our TGIT <laughs> It's I'm. I, we need to pursue this. We mm-hmm. need to talk to our our representatives and see what they can what they can find out and do some. Do some fact finding. Do some, you know, due diligence on this and, and get to the bottom of it because I think we have a real we have a real issue here. Yeah, we'll see you in court, ABC. Gotcha. <laughs> Jim, also, I want to congratulate you. I was look, reading the Forbes richest people, and you made the top one thousand. So congratulations on that. <laughs> a big step up from last year. Like I always say, if only I could live the life that you've envisioned for me, I would be. Boy, I actually, if I could live the life you've envisioned for me, I sure as heck wouldn't be here. Right now, sitting in this studio, so maybe it's maybe it's better this way. You still wouldn't miss TGIT <laughs> if you were rich, right? Or you'd be doing it from on location. Like I'd be on doing an it island. right. I'd be doing it from a beach somewhere for sure, guaranteed. You're a good friend. Yeah, exactly. I'd still come through for you, but um, you know, depending on the cell phone reception from whatever remote island that I was calling in from. Well, if you're a good friend, I'd be on that remote island too, and we just do the interview <laughs> from there. But that's a different show. But congratulations, right. to Jim. Anyways, Jim, thank you. Let's talk some Pelicans basketball now. And Saturday was a bit of a disappointment. Obviously, the news of AD was kind of surprising for all of us that he left, not left the game. He didn't play in the game because he sprained his uh, right big toe uh, before the game started. Gentry says he's probably going to play tomorrow, but obviously nothing official until tomorrow. But you have a 10-point lead against Minnesota, and Minnesota only has 18 wins, now 19 wins. I don't, I don't want to say how bad of a loss it was, but when you're up 10 in the fourth, it just seemed like that fourth quarter went so bad, and it's kind of a tough loss, to, a tough pill to swallow there on Saturday. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think people felt really, really down and dejected after that game just for a variety of reasons. Like you mentioned, it's always a, a, a punch in the gut to have your best player be ruled out of the game right before tip-off. It was just one of those things that kind of came out of nowhere. And then the way the game went, it was kind of – it seemed like it was one of those things where it was like a continuation of, of a lot of the bad breaks that this team has had this year or just the things that haven't gone well. To have a key injury like that, which is of course has happened all season, and then to not be able to close out a game when you're up double figures in the fourth quarter, like you said. So it was it was definitely a, a, a rough feeling. I, I didn't, wasn't happy at all after that game, just the way that it went and just looking at the, the situation and the standings and the whole – big picture it just it was it was not looking very good it was pretty bleak after that game Saturday for sure we'll get to the standings um in just a little bit but I also want to talk 
about a positive from that game. And I would say Eric Gordon returning 31 points, 9 of 17 shooting from the field. Um, that Jan Finger, I would have thought maybe he would have been a little hesitant about shooting the three. Didn't look like that was bothering him, but he also drove to the hoop a lot more than I thought. Maybe also that could have been because he didn't want to bother the finger with shooting, but nonetheless, Eric Gordon, a really nice return to the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, how do you, you, you definitely don't expect a guy who's been, who's missed 15, 16 games, who's been out with an injury like that to have a great shooting game. And I mean, he had the best, he had a season high in that game. I mean, you just, that just seemed like it kind of came out of nowhere. And um, in a way, though, that was another reason why it was just disappointing to lose because it felt like he had a great game, like as well as you could possibly expect him to play under the circumstances. Ryan had a really good game, and and I know Drew had a lot of turnovers, but he had 20-something points. So it seemed like they got what they needed from their main guys and just still weren't able to come up with a W. All right, let's talk about the standings. I know people are probably going to think you guys are just a bunch of homers. You get paid (laughs) by the team. So we're going to still talk playoffs despite them being 12 games under. But I want to say this, though. After seeing what happened last night, still scoreboard watching, and from Saturday night, you had the Jazz lose two in a row to Brooklyn Saturday night and then to Boston last night. You had Sacramento lose last night. You had Houston lose last night Mm -hmm. to Milwaukee. You're still five games out with 24 to go. And I know you're chasing still a couple teams. Technically, Sacramento's right there above you. But, Jim, you're still in this with 24 games to go. Despite, yeah, 23 and 35, don't – I mean, you can call me crazy. I've been called worse, but <laughs> I still think the Pelicans have a shot if they continue – if they start to play better. Right. I think the biggest difference between – and we talked about this on the post-game radio show Saturday night. The biggest difference between the way we feel today and the way I felt Saturday – I shouldn't speak for you, but for myself – is that I thought there was a good chance after Saturday's loss that by the time they played again Wednesday against Houston that they'd really be in a big hole. And, I mean, there was a couple things that were really surprising that happened, including that Utah lost at home to Brooklyn, which mm-hmm. I didn't think there was any way in heck that that would happen. So, I mean, right now, I think that you I, after Saturday, I thought they're in big trouble. They're going to be in a huge hole. They're still in a hole right now, no doubt about it. But... Now I think the game Wednesday you have a chance to to get yourself back into it and um one of the things I looked at is you know it's not going to be easy at all to win Wednesday or Thursday um playing against the Spurs but if you win these next two games and Utah loses at Toronto on Wednesday you're three and a half games out of eighth place which is I mean that's fewer games than they were out last year with with 11 left last year the stat I keep going back to 11 games left they were four out if they win these next two games they'll probably be three and a half out with 23 or 22 or 23 left so i mean there's a chance there if they don't win wednesday they're they they may squander that chance but i mean at least now you can look at it and say that it's still it's it's in play to be able to get back into the race or get closer to where you say okay we now we have a shot am i exaggerating by saying that tomorrow's game is make or break for this team i don't think you're exaggerating i'm not sure if i would say make or break only from the standpoint of that not literally. Like if you if you lose the game, you're still you still have a chance, whatever you want to define that yeah. as. But I do think that I don't think it's exaggeration to say it's the most important game of the season because r- right now they're five games behind Houston. Let's set aside Utah for a second, just for the sake of making this a simpler discussion. Basically, if they lose tomorrow night, they'll, they'll be six games behind Houston, and Houston will have the tiebreaker. So they're basically seven games behind Houston mm-hmm. in effect as we saw last year with what happened with OKC, that that tiebreaker really is can be huge and counts as one game. 
So if they lose, they're seven behind them. If they win, they're four behind them, and they have a chance. The season series would be 2-2. They'd still have a chance to win the tiebreaker because the next tiebreaker step is division record, which would be close, which will be close between the two teams if, if the Pelicans win tomorrow. So to, to make a long story short, we're talking about the difference between being seven games behind Houston and being four games behind Houston in one night. So, I mean, from that standpoint, I, sh- I mean, you could debate whether it's make or break. I mean, maybe I'm being too generous by saying it's not make or break, but I have no doubt in my mind that it's the most important game they've played all season. Just, just I mean, look at the swing of what happens if you win or if you lose. Yeah. We can also, none of this really matters, Jim. Even if you win against Houston, if you don't, and Alvin Gentry said this yesterday, if you don't string more than three wins together, right. maybe five or six wins together, this is probably all null and void because when you're 12 games under in the way teams sure. you might have a losing record going into the playoffs in the West this year, but you got to be close to 500. And when you're 12 games under, you still have a long way to go. Absolutely. I mean, really all a win tomorrow would do would, would be to kind of buy you some time, buy you some, some, uh, air if in, in the race, I mean, you're, you still have a chance. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he said, I think he said yesterday they have to win eight out of ten or six in a row at some some point during this stretch. Um, I mean, it's been frustrating that they haven't been able to win more than three games in a row because I feel like they've had stretches where you said, okay, it's coming together, and it's hard to imagine that, that that's the longest winning streak they've had of the season, and they've only done it twice. So, but um, yeah, I mean, you, you gotta you have to win this game against Houston, and then you gotta get hot at some point, and hopefully that'll come sooner than later. I mean, I know Alvin Gentry also said yesterday, you know, hey, we're still we still have a chance, but we're really we're time's starting to run out. So I know the urgency is definitely there to try to get closer as soon as they possibly can. I mean hopefully that Minnesota game does not bite you in the butt because you're looking at a difference of a four and one start post all star break to a three and two start post yeah. all star breaking that one game. Especially with the teams losing that in front of us. Mm. Man, that could hurt. That, I mean that's the flip side of it too is you say you say like, wow, it, they're not in as bad a shape as we thought maybe they would be after that Minnesota game, so it's a, a little sense of relief. But on the other hand, you're like, they, they could be four games out right now, which, yeah. I mean, based on on the way things have been so far lately and how precarious it's been as far as, like, are they still even in the race? I mean, that that one game makes a huge difference. And, I mean, being four out and then having a chance to cut that to three against Houston, that – I mean, that would be really encouraging. So, yeah, but I, I, I guess it's one of those things that you can't do anything about it now, and you just got to go forward and, and try to get some of these wins coming up. On the other hand, also, March is not easy. You have the most games you've played all season in a month, which is 17. I was calculating, this is just my opinion, 14 out of the 17 games are against teams that are either chasing a playoff spot or in the playoffs, east or west. The three teams that I'm leaving out, and technically all these three teams are still in, but they kind of have a long shot, even same as the Pelicans, is Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. You have the Knicks, who are technically only, I think, six or six and a half out, and Denver, who's only a game behind you, so technically they're in it. Right. But I would say the other 14 are teams that are battling or already in. So not only do you have the most games this season during this month of March, but you also have probably one of the toughest. I know the early part of the season was pretty tough, but it's not easy March. Yeah, it's not. And I mean, from the standpoint of games, like you mentioned, they play 17, I think it is. And this this spell that we're in right now where we had three days between games, I think is really the last time the rest of the season that there's any break at all. You you have 
um, a few back-to-backs in March, and then pretty much the the entire month you have one day off between games at the most. So, I mean, it's gonna the games are definitely start to come fast and furious. Another thing that's interesting to me about March is like you look at that they have that long five-game road trip, which is tied for the longest of the season, kind of in the middle of the month. But they still actually have nine home games in March, which is which is interesting. You would think that that with that long of a of a road trip that you'd be kind of balance, swinging the other way with so many with a lot more road games than home games but they still actually have a lot of chances in the smoothie king center to uh hopefully get some wins yeah and also some chance to get some road wins you have that long five game road trip but you've only won seven games on the road um some winnable games on there charlotte memphis milwaukee golden state's gonna be really really tough yeah. and then sacramento to end it um but definitely a chance for the pelicans to maybe get some wins on the road but they gotta start winning some games on the road only seven wins that's not gonna cut it if you want to make the playoffs. All right, so we've, I think we covered a good amount of the Pelicans today on the segment, but let's let's talk NBA here, and we've kind of had a discussion off the mic, um, especially after Saturday night when I got home. I turned on the TV and watched overtime mm. of Golden State, Oklahoma City, which thank God it went to overtime because if not, I would have missed all of it. Me too. And yeah. it was phenomenal. Did not disappoint. And Steph Curry, that shot at the end, unbelievable. And now there's this whole debate about, I don't want to call them the old-timers, but they are the old-timers. <laughs> <laughs> really not giving Curry credit where credit is due, saying, you know, they don't like the way his game is played and blah, blah, blah. Um, what do you make of this? I know you've had something that you want to kind of get off your chest. <laughs> you've been wanting to go on a little rant, and we can go on a rant here on Black and Blue. There, there are no rules. No cussing. There's one rule. But I feel like you have a, you have a hot take on uh, the whole Curry versus the old-timer situation. I don't know if I'd say I have a hot take only because I like to not say it, never say I have a hot take okay. on anything. But no, no, um, no, I've, I've watched. I'm sure a lot of people have watched and listened and heard a lot of the different stuff that people have said. And I've heard um, – I think one of the people that I agree with the most on this whole issue was I've seen Zach Lowe on ESPN talk about this a few times, including on the – new show that Rachel Nichols has, which, which I think is really a good show. It's mm-hmm. off the to jump. a really good start. And um, he's basically said, what are we talking about? And I kind of agree completely that it's just it's just ridiculous, like some of the stuff that people are saying. And, I mean, I, the, my biggest thing, my big, if I was going to go on a rant, it would be, why, of all the people that we could find to try to pick at or criticize or try to, you know, diminish some of his mm-hmm. accomplishments – why would we pick Steph Curry? I mean, the the reason that this guy is the best player in the NBA right now, I think everyone can agree, is because he worked on his game so much that he got to the point where he's the most skilled. Like, in my opinion, he's the, the best shooter of all time. I think every objective measurement, analytics, whatever you could find would prove that. And he's also probably the best ball handler in the NBA. And, yeah, I understand that he has great genetics, and he had a little advantage, of course, that his dad played in the NBA – but his, his dad is a completely different kind of player. Mm-hmm. His dad is a spot-up shooter who's a great shooter, but wasn't wasn't very quick, not to take anything away from him, because I know Del Curry was a very good player. Um, but the reason that Steph Curry is as good as he is is because he worked on his game, spent a ton of time doing everything he could to put himself in a position to be great. Not to mention that he's such a great story that he came – he was so lightly recruited that he ended up playing for Davidson, which is a school that hardly anyone had even heard of before he played there. Mm-hmm. So all of these different aspects of his story, to me, are all things that people should um, respect and just look at as a great story. So to me, it's like of all the people, and also he's 6'3", 180, 190. 
he's not great because he was gifted naturally. You know, right. his his dad is a few inches bigger than him, maybe a little sturdily, more sturdily built. I mean, he's Steph Curry's obviously not not a real muscular guy. Yeah. The reason he's good is because of all the work that he put in and the time that he put in. So from the standpoint of like the old school players, that's what they should look at. They should look at as like this is a guy that kids can can emulate and follow and respect and try to do the stuff that he's done for the best player for, from my standpoint, for the best player to, in basketball to be Steph Curry is great for the game. It's like, and not to mention, I could go on even more about golden state as a team of what, how good it is for basketball, for the best team in the NBA to play the way that they do the way they're unselfish. And the reason that they're the best team is because of skill. Mm-hmm. It's not yet. Yeah, yeah. They have some really good athletes and stuff like that. But the reason they're the best team is because they're, they're great shooters they're great passers. Like all that stuff, you put it all together to me and that it's all a great thing. So for people to jump in and say like and try to take shots at him or say like, oh, well, you know, 30 years ago, he wouldn't be as good as he is now to me is insane. It's like you're coming from it from exactly the wrong. You're coming from it from exactly the wrong standpoint. That's the part that baffles me the most is it's like the furthest from a logical or, you know, common sense standpoint or even like i said what's good for the game so that's that's my rant about steph curry i like it i like it and i also was reading a tweet i forget who retweeted it but it was something talking about how the conversation has evolved about steph curry in the last five years when it was talking about whether the warriors should play ac law over curry and then whether they should get (laughs) rid of curry over monte ellis then it was is curry a top 10 point guard then it's is he better than cp3 then is it is he an Mm. mb mvp i mean the way he's evolved from even a few years ago. And one, another question was, could he even play in the NBA with his ankle problems? Was right. that going to be a huge concern? And the fact that he's overcome all that, and he wor- that's the thing you mentioned, he works on his game. There's a reason why he pulls up from 32 feet out and beats the Thunder, because he works on that shot every day. Right. There's a reason why his ball handling is unbelievable, because he works on that every day. Mm-hmm. And I agree, and... One, I don't know why we're saying, oh, well, he might not have played that well 30 years ago. Who cares? It's 30 years ago. Yeah. Why does that even matter? Did you almost break your own cuss rule right there? I almost did. <laughs> I'm a cursor, so the fact that I'm on the radio is even harder. But, uh, man, you're going to get me all fired up. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. No, Everything you said, I agree. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true, too. Like, that's another part of the story. I think in some ways that is what blows people's minds about him doing what he's done in the last year or two. Like, only a couple of years ago, people were like, he's a pretty good, he's a good player. I mean, he was picked in the lottery. He's been good, but he's had injury problems. And I mean, I guess it was a good pick, but yeah. it wasn't like Do anything. You build around him. Right. It wasn't like anything that was, you know, momentous right. or like, oh, the Warriors made such an amazing. And all of a sudden, he's the best player in the NBA. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, people have a hard time accepting that in their minds. Certain people like, like Steph Curry is really the best player in the NBA. And you, you almost never see this happen. I always say about guys that, and this is true, I'd say 95% of the time, four or five years into their career, they are that's that's what they are. They're not going to get better. They're not going to change a ton of their um, reputation or their skill set. That's another part of his story that's so amazing to me is that this deep into his career, he went from an above-average good player to the best player in the mm-hmm. NBA. So it's just amazing story that and that's one of the reasons why everyone is like so fascinated by it i'm glad you brought up davidson too because uh when i went to georgia southern they were in the same conference Mm. so his senior one of his last games 
I went to the game just so I can see what Steph Curry can do, and he put up 45 points against us, and they killed us. And it was just, and to see how little he was there. He's still a great yeah. shooter then, but just how little he was, but how explosive right. he was too. And I was like, all right, he's going to be a pretty good player, but never in my wildest dreams thought he was going to be the player that he is today. I mean, that's I think that's part of it too. Like I touched on that briefly, but that's an, that to me that might be another part of the story of why some people have a hard time accepting with and dealing with the fact that he's the best player in basketball now he went to davidson he didn't yeah. go to unc he didn't go to duke any of these like big name schools like it's it's just it's just amazing like that you just stuff like this doesn't happen in sports so yeah. that's what's great about it. it shows that you don't have to go to a big school right exactly yeah good point you feel better now <laughs> I feel better, but you know, I could go on for, for a long time about this. I'm sure I will off the air again at some point when I hear someone else say something that just doesn't make any sense. If only we could have recorded this while you were laying on a couch. Like I was a therapist. <laughs> right. And you're kind of like, Daniel, here's what I think today. Maybe we'll have to get one in here for you. Perfect, man. All right. That's Jim Mike and Offer from Pelicans.com. Be on the lookout for all his work, obviously, on Pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Jim underscore Eichenhofer. Jim. We'll talk to you uh, on the road in Houston. We'll look forward to your work, and then Sounds we'll talk good. to you on Thursday on Pelicans OT. Looking forward to it. Definitely a, a huge game tomorrow night in Houston. I'm, I'm looking forward to being there and, and seeing what happens. Bring back a win, please. I'll try. All right. When we come back, we'll have some more on this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Let's go back in the day on Thursday, March 3rd at 7 p.m. when your New Orleans Pelicans take on the San Antonio Spurs for our 90s night at the Smoothie King Center. The first 8,000 dudes in attendance will receive a sweet fanny pack presented by Cox and NBA TV. Come hang out and watch our special 90s halftime show by the legendary hip-hop duo Tag Team. Tickets start as low as $24, so call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. The magic of Voodoo Barbecue. It's people, passion, and pure enjoyment. Seasoned with Louisiana's best. It's a celebration every day. A fusion of Creole, Cajun, and Caribbean. It's the soul, the sound, the taste of barbecue New Orleans style. Voodoo Barbecue. Pass by your neighborhood Voodoo Barbecue today. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Well, it may be the Saints offseason, but there's plenty of football to be played here at the Saints facility. More than 220 women representing 17 countries will gather March 1st through the 6th, which is today in New Orleans at the Saints training facility for the third annual Women's World Tackle Football Games. Joining me now to talk about it is USA Football Director of Football Development, Samantha Rappaport. Samantha, welcome back to New Orleans. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Happy to be here. All right. So tell me a little bit about this event, especially uh, it being here in New Orleans. Um, what can we expect in the next five days here? Sure. So we have 
220 women from 17 countries wow. across the globe that play tackle football uh, that will be coming together for one time a year on a football field to learn the sport of football from USA Football's Heads Up Football mm -hmm. coaches. And so this is the third year that the event has taken place, but the New Orleans Saints were the first team in the history of women's tackle football to host an event like this. So they're about to acquire 220 mm -hmm. new fans that are about to embrace this team for opening its doors to women from all over the world. I'll get to New Orleans hosting in a second, but um, I think this is the third annual event. How did this event get started? So the event got started that uh, there was the first ever Women's World Tackle Championships in 2010. Um, that took place as kind of the Olympics of women's tackle football. The second took place in 2013. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a big talent discrepancy between the Americans and the rest of the world because right. we have access to the greatest coaches in the world mm -hmm. and internationally they don't. So the idea sparked on the field in Finland in 2013 to create kind of a field of dreams for women's tackle football. Right. One place where females from all over the world can participate in the sport of football together. Um, and not, it's not USA versus Germany or Russia or what have you. It's just everyone playing together with their, the only way that they're identified by their countries is by a sticker on their helmet. Otherwise, everyone is intertwined by positional groups uh, and they're learning the, the language of football together on one field. That's awesome. Such a great event. And how did New Orleans uh, get the pleasure of hosting this event? So we reached out to several NFL clubs. Um, there was a bunch of interest, but there was no offer like the New Orleans Saints offer that we received. It was, uh, you know, Jason Trosclair and Chris Payton basically saying to us, you know, not only do we want to host this, but what else can we do for you? And really opened up their doors and provided such incredible opportunities for this women. Uh, you know, Drew Brees doing a promo video for them that was shared by, you know, uh, tens of thousands of women across the country just by seeing Drew Brees say, hey, we're excited yeah. to welcome female tackle football players. That was a first for female tackle football and something we were really excited about. Do you think maybe the Saints hosting this event will pave the way for other NFL teams to maybe host in the future, seeing how successful it might be this few weeks to maybe or this week? to say, hey, maybe we should consider doing this in the future. Without question. I think New Orleans Saints are paving the way, and I think other clubs will see the media that uh, you know is garnered from this event and how this event affects so many women's lives that are as passionate or more passionate about football than men. And so I think that this will open opportunities not just for this event, for other events, um, and even from a broader perspective than that, just the opportunity for females to be involved in the NFL. Um, we saw this year with Jen Welter and Sarah mm -hmm. Thomas and Catherine Smith, uh, you know, and those those numbers and names will keep increasing after events like this are completed. How much has women football, I guess, how popular has it become in the last few years? How much has it grown in the last couple of years, you think? It's growing exponentially, and mm -hmm. it started, uh, re really started in, t in the year 2000, so we're a very young sport. Right. Uh, but, you know, with the first ever women's tackle football championships, um, you know, we have a team, USA now, with 45 of the best female tackle football players in the world. Um, are definitely in this country. And so, uh, you know, the media uh, took hold of that and there was a lot of coverage around it. And since then, our numbers have been growing. There's about 120 or so teams um, in the U.S. that play female tackle football. And there's about 25 countries in the world that participate in female tackle football. You mentioned Jen Welter, who's going to be a guest. She's the first female NFL coach. You also have Jamie Meeks, Saints Director of Sports Nutrition. How will, um, what will they be doing and how does it I guess, how does it impact the women that are here to have them as special guests and be able to talk to them? Sure. So we'll have Jen Welter. We'll also have Katie Sowers, who's okay. a Team USA member, who is uh, was the first coach of, coach of the East-West Shrine game with oh, Charlie wow. Weiss. So the two of them will be sitting on a panel together, mm -hmm. and the women are really going to see how they can you know, integrate in the sport when they're too old to play. And so I think that you know Jen is a role model for many of these women internationally, especially that saw her story and have never met her. 
And so, you know, there was a lot of excitement, um, you know, garnered around her appearance. And so she'll be speaking to the group for about an hour, talk about her experience with the Arizona Cardinals. And then uh, she'll be coaching out on the field with the linebackers. So this is pretty good timing. You had the first NFL female NFL coach last year. And now coming into this event, it's pretty good timing and also pretty cool to see how Jen has kind of broken the mold in the NFL. Do you think they'll... This will also help inspire other women that they could coach in the future? Uh, without a doubt. Yeah. I think a lot of members of our Team USA team have started coaching, um, not just because of Jen. Previously, they are, we have a head coach of a boys' high school team that's coming out. Uh, we have a few uh, head coaches around the country. And I think that you know we have an all-female officiating crew coming out to ref the games on Sunday. And I think that's something that was sparked by women seeing Sarah Thomas on the sidelines and seeing, hey, like I can look like an NFL mm -hmm. ref and I can do this. Uh, and I think there's a lot of female empowerment um, that sparked around both of those people. All right, before I let you go, so this event lasts five days. How can fans from not only here but around the league and around the world, around the country, can follow this event the next couple of days? How can people see maybe the games or the drills or the practices? Um, how can they get involved? Sure. So we have a, a hashtag on social media. Okay. It's WWFG3. And so every single post uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram will have that tag. So you can definitely follow us on social media. Uh, and we also welcome people to come out to the Saints facility to, to check it out um, any day and see, you know, how great females are at the sport. All right. Sounds good. That's Sam, Samantha Rappaport, USA Football Director of Football Development. Samantha, enjoy your time here. We look forward to the event. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. When we come back, I'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. The Harlem Globetrotters bring their 90th anniversary world tour to the Smoothie King Center for two shows Saturday, April 2nd. Witness some of the world's best athletes execute unbelievable feats of ball handling, trick shots, and comedy. It's the team's most epic tour in 90 years and a lifelong memory in the making. Score your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and don't miss your chance to get in on the action at the Smoothie King Center Saturday, April 2nd at 2 and 7 p.m. Summer is coming and Keeps Air Conditioning and Heating is ready to serve you. Keeps offers a 25-point precision AC tune-up for only $119. Get your AC ready for the real heat that's coming. And as always, call Keeps and we'll get you cool in three hours or less, guaranteed. Keeps Air Conditioning and Heating. For fast relief, call Keeps. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. All right, that'll do it for this Tuesday show. Big thanks to Samantha Rappaport from USA Football. She's the director of football development. And, of course, Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com. The Pelicans are on their way to Houston this afternoon. They'll take on the Rockets tomorrow at 7 o'clock. We'll have more information on that game tomorrow. And then the Pelicans are back home Thursday, 90s night. Should be pretty fun to take on the San Antonio Spurs. So big game tomorrow. Sean Kelly will be back in the hosting chair. And of course, it's a Wesley Wednesday. So David Wesley, television analyst for the Pelicans on Fox Sports New Orleans, will chime in about tomorrow's game and also talk about the last 24 games of the season. Plus, we're efforting to get Jen Welter, the first female NFL coach. She's a coach for the Arizona Cardinals. She's in town for the Women's World Tackle Football Games. So we hope to get her to talk about her impact on women's football and football in general. So we're looking forward to having her. And, of course, you never know who else will stop by. Again, thanks to Samantha. Thanks to Jim. Hope this Tuesday finds you well and hope you have a great rest of your day. And until tomorrow, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. 
Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.